0: Just what do our Australian theatre productions over the last 120 years tell us about ourselves? Well, they tell us a fair bit, says our last guest today. His new book distills the history of Australia through the lens of some of its plays, from iconic Federation-era plays through to those that reflect the isolation and travails of men and women to the political dramas of the 1970s and the emergence of Indigenous playwrights in the 1990s. Theatre director, Griffith University professor of creative arts, and author of the book *Australia in Fifty Plays*, Julian Mayrick joins us now. Hello there. Oh, hello Geraldine. Thank you for having me on. And you, you devoted yourself in the last two years. How productive of you to produce to do all this work and come up with this yeah. distillation. Yeah.
1: I know it. it, 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 it didn't feel it at the time. It just felt like (laughs) I was crawling along because I was in successive lockdowns. But um, now it's all over. It does feel a little bit of an achievement. Oh, yes.
0: Congratulations. I mean, in the book, you you say to study the plays of the nation is to study the nation. And you put drama on a par with academic research, public interest journalism and and, um, political debate. And you think it's really quite underrated, don't you? Yes,
1: I do, um, for all sorts of reasons. I just caught the the last bit of what your speaker was saying and um, how could we not know about what's happening in Europe? Mm. And um, she was using the word mood, I think, and that's a big word for this book. I talk about the compelling mood. And one of the things that drama does is that it captures and to some extent portrays and explains these big changes of feelings that occasionally happen at a collective level. So it's, um, I call it an engine of discovery, collective discovery, and, um, and it operates on almost every level, but perhaps the most powerful is, is, that, is that general one.
0: And would you say, having looked at this, and I can hear you're an Englishman mm. by birth, would that set Australian drama apart from, say, European or British drama? Yeah,
1: without doubt. Um, I'm actually half Australian and half English. My mother was very Australian and my father was very English. (laughs) Um, So I don't know which bit of me is the Australian bit, but um, I grew up and was educated in England and essentially with English drama and then I've spent the last 20 maybe 30 years in Australian theatre and looking at Australian drama and the more you look at it the more distinct it becomes not not just on a kind of level of professional craft but on an inner level and the level of inner sensibility it's it's an extraordinarily expressive and moving body of work.
0: How did you whittle your list down to just 50 plays?
1: Uh, um, badly, I'm inclined to think. Um, I had a, a lot of feedback from a lot of different people. Um, some were in, in the business. They were <clears throat> literary managers. Some were, uh, like John McCullum, were theatre historians. Some were critics. And um, I, I basically sent out a, a, a big call and said, look, well, <laughs> this is what I've got to do. Um, and I, um, I had a few exclusions, um, like any play that I had developed or directed directed, I left off the list. Um, And um, any play that wasn't what I called in repeatable, interpretable form, so any kind of one-off events, really. And I ended up with a list of about 116 plays um, and then I developed some very loose criteria because plays are very individual things. They're as individual as people's faces, so you can't be too orthodox in the way you go about organising them. So I had um, a kind of loose set of criteria that basically said: Are they artistically important? Were they culturally important? Were they politically important? And using those 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 three parameters, I. Managed to get it down to 50 plays.
0: Oh, wow. It's <laughs> <Yes>, very tough. <laughs> very... In, and before we get into some of the detail, there's an, another yeah. very interesting thing you told our producer, Maggie, which I just think I want to put up there at the start yeah. that there were yeah. lots of women playwrights around when there was very little yeah. money around. Yeah. And as soon as yeah. it started to become uh, professional, yeah. the bloke stepped it's up. It's all men.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very noticeable. Um if you if you take because the book goes from federation to now really, COVID nineteen. And um, so from just before World War One when Australian drama really starts to happen, um, to about the nineteen fifties, late nineteen forties, um, the gender balance is very even uh, in terms of playwrights and directors and so forth um many many important women and you don't don't have to strain to find them it's it's kind of very obvious um uh then once you get into the 50s and the kachink kachink of the Subsidised theatre starts, which it does in 1952 with the Melbourne Theatre Company, and um, then then suddenly it's all men for a bit, um, uh, and then there's then there's from the mid 70s onwards that starts to balance itself out
0: again. Mm. Okay, so let's sort of drill down a, a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, Aussie, you call this Australian drama Aussiewood. <laughs> emerged. um, Federation. At one point. At one point, yeah. yeah. Federation is where you start the book and you focus on two very different plays that came out in the years soon after. The first being the wildly popular On Our Selection, based on Mm. Steel Rudd's bulletin stories. Mm. And the Mm. second, the witty satire, which you say we've grossly Mm. uh, left aside, The Time Is Not Yet Ripe, which Mm. also premiered in 2012.
1: Yeah, it's a really good play. I mean, it really is. Um, Steel Rudd's on our selection, by the way. I I still think it's probably the most successful Australian play ever in terms of audience figures. So 25% of the population saw that play, Mm -hmm. which is really quite extraordinary when you think about it. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, it is a rough comedy um, with lots of physical business in it. Um, But the... The push in it is aspirational and democratic. So I you know, don't really need to know the stories, but mm. it ends with a sort of an election, and um, the the kind of put upon farmer is elected to parliament. So it's it's a very crucial observation to kind of go well. This in this very very popular play happened more or less at the same time as Federation. Mm. Um, the time is not yet ripe is is much more tongue in cheek, <laughs> and much more about kind of. Um uh, the, the actions of, uh, of of politicians at the time. There's a marriage, there's a division of politics across the marriage. It's all very witty. And in the book, what I observe, and this is part of the way the book works, is that the plot is extremely similar to Nakia Louis's Black is the New White. Right. So I, I wouldn't call it identical, but very, very similar. So that's kind of part of the way drama works is it passes on these forms, not, not necessarily stories, but certainly kind of formats and devices and playwrights take them up and they adapt them and they spin them and they do all sorts of amazing things with them. And that's part of the fun of the book as well.
0: But the interesting thing, you the point you make is that a so quarter of the population saw the steel rut, which was mm. much more yep. down-to-earth basic. The time is not yep. yet ripe, only had yep. a run of a few weeks and it was patronised yep. largely by the type yep. of... Wealthy Professionals, it was satirising, yeah, right. <laughs> So it yeah, had this small, yeah. it's a better play, yeah. it had this smaller audience. I mean, mm. yeah, that's rather hard yeah, to know. read, actually.
1: I know, I know. But then I also talk about the way in which plays influence each other. And so um, <clears throat> on our selection, which is, you know, terrific and terrific fun, um, in some way comes out of the melodrama of the 19th century, which it not the coming form, really, in the mm. 20th century. Mm. Whereas um, Louis Essen, who then went on and worked with the Pioneer Players in, in the early 20s... He wrote The Time Is Not just right?
0: Mm. Mm,
1: mm, yeah, he did, absolutely. And he wrote The Drover and many other fine plays. And um, that, the impulse, the intention, the particularly the intellectual focus and the cleverness of the writing, that became the legacy that, henceforward... Right. Australian drama started to explore.
0: Okay, I want to jump to the pre-war and war years now. Mm. Um, You say 1942 is terribly important, Mm. but just the real Australia, as you call it. Now, why did you highlight that?
1: The white Australia policy. Mm. So the way the book works is that it looks at the history and then it looks at the plays and it reads the plays into the history and the history into the plays. So you have to look at the historical record or I had to look at the historical record and it isn't great. (laughs) to be honest um you know some good things happen in it but also some really terrible things um and the white australia policy is one of them so um that starts to kind of inform the drama that would be putting it politely um and you have this period uh i suppose very long period where the issue of what we would call national identity, it feels a lot more kind of visceral than that, is being explored by playwrights. Um so I, I kind of highlight that. So so is it the
0: bush it or the city that's explored?
1: Well, both. Um, but the bush first, it, it seems to be easier to imagine everything happening in northern Australia, um uh and um and, and in the outback, but gradually it seems to come into the city and that starts to happen maybe from the forties onwards. And then the red letter day is, you know, summer of the 17th doll when the bush meets the city.
0: Well, quite. I mean, that's, as you say, every everyone knows, has heard about that. Yeah. That's the 50s. That's so right. although, But you actually say that really the 40s were decisive because yeah. we were so really on our own down here yeah. uh, with war yeah. on elsewhere. And it, it yeah. may not have been instant, but it actually did provoke quite a lot yeah. of um, self-reliance, which then started to, to have, have its artistic offshoot.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's it's really important. I, I don't know. Perhaps it's because we've been through two years of isolation, but I think about the 1940s quite a lot in terms of our current moment. Um, you know, it's a. It, I think it is a difficult moment that we're in, and so was the 1940s. So when I was writing the book, that that was the decade that I was, I, I felt most kinship with actually, mm. and. I, I point out that these f- four really great plays, uh, George Dan's Fountains Beyond, Infna Kuzak's uh, Morning Sacrifice, um, Max Afford's Lady in Danger and uh, Douglas Stewart's Ned Kelly, all happened in 1942 when, you know, many people thought we were about to be invaded or yeah. at least attacked by Japan. Um, and I was just thinking about Lady in Danger, which is not a play that most people will know. And it's, a—it's again, it's a very funny, suave, obama, bane comedy and um if you read it you'd kind of go wow this is a bit like a tv script it's so smooth and that's not um uh, that's quite a good inference because max afford was a very successful radio playwright but if you read that play and then you think okay so this was actually staged in 1942 what message do you take from it and as i was thinking about it i i thought when you look at the play, you read the play. This is a country that knows it's going to win the war, and that's an extraordinary kind of thing to take from a play, because mm. there's just no fear in that play wow. whatsoever.
0: Yes. Mm. Fascinating. Um, look, i just looking at the time because we we just must cover the the 60s and 70s with the swaggering yeah. male playwrights, David Williams and yes. Bob Ellis, Patrick White, and yeah. then we mustn't yeah, yeah. The, the the miracle you say of the indigenous playwrights, so, yeah, which is of the is. 90s. So just let's go through mm. both of those because I did, I did, yeah. I felt you did slightly underdo David Williamson I must say.
1: Uh,
0: oh look, I, I probably
1: have, um, and that's because I've written quite a lot about the nineteen seventies before. You know, I've written the history of the Nimrod Theatre and lots mm. of other things. So they they might feel that they get short shrift, but they've they've had a lot of me up until now. <laughs> All right, so I. <laughs> I need to focus on kind of other periods, and as I went through the play, I I was as I went through the book, I thought I can only pick one play per playwright past a certain point, even though David is, you know, he's written sixty so um I, I am constrained a little bit by those parameters again and, and a need to address gender balance to some extent as well
0: yes fair enough okay um so let's get to the indigenous playwrights which you, you say yeah. is just this amazing sort of development of our national identity yeah. now yeah. what what really struck you when you when you peruse them uh,
1: that it wasn't inevitable um that it it, it wasn't something that you know, just sort of happened because it was always going to happen. It happened because the people who were part of it, the Indigenous artists, worked extremely hard to make it happen. Um, but it also, um, it has a bit of a tale to it. I talk about um, T-A-I-L. I talk about Robert Merritt's um, play The Cake Man, which I've written about before, which is beautiful beautiful play written in 1976 and I also look at um, Jack Davis's No Sugar which I don't know if people know that play at all but it's really funny Um, uh, and that's a play about you know two indigenous families in the 1930s and the depression And you don't necessarily think oh really funny play but it really is And then you get to the 1990s and the three plays that I talk about, Pauline Harrison Stolen, um, Wes Enoch's adaptation of um, uh, Medea and um, uh, Richard Franklin's Conversations with the Dead. And it's Conversations with the Dead, which I just think is one of the great Australian plays. I I just think it is an amazing play. And he wrote that partly because he had been part of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. And the if you, if you, okay. I say, look at the report, look at the play and then see, see what else the play tells you that right. the report doesn't.
0: Now we have to go. I know. <laughs> uh, look, Julian, <laughs> congratulations. It's a great oh, thank service. You so much. Thank you very much for being with us. Oh, thank you so much for talking to me. And uh, Julian is author of Australia in 50 Plays. It's a currency press publication.